1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: Hello, I'm Scott Sajnik. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the ticker symbol TKO Sports Business Podcast, the Sportacast.
1: I mean, in- the only thing that could bump us using a new platform to record on would be a very <laughs> big deal in sports business. So I'm going to let you go with the TKO, which I love. it. for people who don't know, you do you know your ticker symbols on the New York Stock Exchange are three, and if you go to Nasdaq, it's four. So TKO will be the uh, the ticker symbol of the new company of the combined endeavor or UFC and WWE and TKO in boxing, of course. Of course, is a uh, technical knockout. So, is it, this should be more of just a knockout. I mean, I know you need three, so it can't be KO. <laughs> but with the news of this, I mean, no surprise that Endeavor was one of the bidders, you know, sort of right away when we, when Vince McMahon said WWE was up for sale. We're like, oh, Endeavor would be interested in this. They've been repping the company forever. Ari loves content, see synergies of what they do. You combine sort of the live event UFC with sort of the entertainment value and streaming and and the WrestleMania of WWE makes perfect sense. Here you go, but what surprised Yebin? The number, a, a valuation of twenty one plus billion on the new entity the combined company. So, that got everybody's attention.
0: And hey, we can dive into those numbers. WWE been a publicly traded company for a while now. Market cap was right around 6 a little over 6 billion dollars last week Scott WWE is valued at 9.3 billion as part of this new combined entity UFC uh, which was bought uh, back in 2016 for 4 billion dollars Scott valued at 12.1 billion as as part of this entity, both of those I think are higher than what then Ari uh, Emanuel and and Vince McMahon said both of those things early this week. Both of these things are are, are valued higher than they would be independently because of what you just said because of the business synergies that they feel that the the ability to go to market at scale in a lot of ways as a single entity the, the, all of those things they say drive up the valuation of each of these of each of these entities uh, so I think that's the the top line number and we, and we should be very clear th- th- these entities are worth only that in in the way that they raise and go public the the, the market is going to be able to determine uh, very quickly once TKO is officially trading exactly what these uh, what these entities are worth so a big caveat on those numbers but just to see them tossed around in that way gives you a sense of just how explosive at least the people behind this deal believe it will be once it is up and running
1: No. Uh, We saw Ari Emanuel and uh, Vince McMahon on CNBC, and they said they did pay sort of a control premium. Exactly. Normally, the company getting acquired, the stock price goes up. Sometimes the one paying the money, especially if you're paying more than sort of market cap, it, it goes down. Right now, I mean, nobody seems to love it. WWE, as we record, and this I'm doing my best on cell phone looking really quickly, WWE down 5.67%, Endeavor down 6.35%. But as you said, we'll see exactly when it starts training under the new ticker symbol TKO Edition of the sport of cats.
0: Exactly. And 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 one of my big takeaways here and, and and again the stock prices are down right now and we'll see what happens when this deal is expected to close later this year. We'll see what happens when this when this company is is trading separately. Uh, what what a great acquisition UFC was for Endeavor as I said, a $4 billion transaction back in 2016. A lot of people said he
1: overpaid, by the way. A lot
0: of people said he overpaid. It came right as Endeavor was trying to go public the first time, didn't happen, but eventually did in the pandemic at a time when so much of Endeavor's business was was struggling under canceled filming and, and a lot of the entertainment showed sh- shut down or slow down. Uh, and UFC was one of the first sports properties to get back up and running that they had almost an entire full slate of events in, in 2020 spun off a lot of cash again at a time that Endeavor really, really needed it. It's helped prop up the business for the past four or five years. And now, uh, being combined in, in, in this way uh, and, and being spun out into a company that we should say Endeavor will own 51% of. So slightly over half of the shares, the other half will be, uh, Existing WWE 51, 58, shareholders, sixty-two,
1: seventy-five control premium. Exactly
0: control premium. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's there's at some point, and maybe Sportigo should do it. But a deeper look at exactly what UFC, the timing of that buy, what it did for them during the pandemic, uh, would be a really interesting sports business case study.
1: And you know, we love when we write our stories. How many times do we write the sentence comes as right? Yeah. This the the this acquisition comes as. And everybody's talking about content, the value of live streaming, and you know, you, WWD has done a great job at a great content library. They have a streaming deal, they have an over-the-air deal, but their media deals do come up very mm-hmm. soon. So it comes as the uh, the folks in the streaming world and the linear world will be bidding for the rights to WWE. Um, tie up with the the ability to cross promote UFC you would think layman's quick reaction value would go up
0: I, I think so too and 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 UFC has a has a big multi-layer deal with ESPN, ESPN right yep. now do, do you think that that this suddenly makes ESPN a likely landing spot for WWE. It se- certainly seems like they're going to keep the at least the the, the revenue the, the 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 media sales part separate, right? They'll, they'll obviously be open to other partners besides ESPN. But do you think this puts ESPN more likely to partner, or do you think it's still just as if if these were just separate two different entities going after media deals in their own right?
1: Oh, how I wish I could climb into the head of Bob Iger right now <laughs> as he's trying to figure out streaming in ESPN. Boy, I I, I'm not sure I'm ready to commit an answer there. I'm not sure exactly ESPN knows yet what. And don't forget, also coming soon will be talks on the NBA, Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll get Get to to the reason why that just got more more valuable in a minute. But that's to me, if we if we're part and parceling must have programming for ESPN, I'm putting the NBA above the WWE. I think, all right. and, uh, and all question. the shoulder yeah. programming that comes with. It. I mean, what would Stephen A. Smith yell about if he didn't have the NBA? I'm kidding. He's got a million things he can yell <laughs> about. And by the way, did you catch that ridiculous argument about whether what Stephen whether Stephen A. and he's been bad for sports journalism yeah, or TV I did, or, I did or not whatever? Catch that. But, <laughs> but all right, I, I want to no tell of that. you. I, you know, I got to tell you. I, I mean, I used to walk the halls. I remember if it was the Spectrum Core State Center, whatever it was back then. But like I knew Stephen A. and I'd see him working it when he was a reporter and a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and you know the guys put the work in say what you will about the presentation whatever I mean the confrontation and the, and the way things are presented now and, and these debate shows say what you will but the guy has put the work in to be where he is I mean yeah. I just went off on a tangent there whatever I don't <laughs> know what tangent <laughs> alarm we have but
0: make way for a sportigo Tangent
1: you know, I, I've known Stephen A and seen him work for a very long time. And like, you know, I've seen him at, like I've seen him trying to write columns on his BlackBerry back mm-hmm. in the day when he was doing both the inquirer and ESPN or whatever, you know, all the things. So the guys put the work in and yeah, this this would have happened with the, whether he it was Stephen A or somebody else. Like this is where the, the this debate stuff and this contrived argument. Like, listen, it's entertainment. E S P N. I never ever let people forget yeah. what comes first it ain't the s that stands for sports (laughs) the e comes first for a very good reason you better entertain you can have the best stuff in the world if it ain't presented in an entertaining way click, there goes the channel to something else.
0: And I think UFC and WWE understand that better than a a lot of properties that we consistently talk about. And and for folks who are wondering about when we say synergies, what that could be, obviously there's business synergies, putting on events of this scale, marketing, ticketing, say all, all those things. Uh, there's also a talent synergy. Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, just to name two athletes that have, have starred and played prominent roles in both WWE and UFC. And I would expect that kind of crossover to become a bit more common once these two entities are are under the same roof. So it's not just kind of the standard business synergies. I think you're going to see some actual in, in front of camera Talent, cross-promotion, all of those things are are, are going to be, I, I think you're going to see a lot more of. And then one more thing I'll, I'll toss out there, because the, it, it is clear that they view this as a combat sports hub, that this is going yes. to be the, the the face of that. There, there's, How could it not be? It, it, exactly. And, and there's a very big boxing, there's a very big kind of third leg of the combat sports uh tripod that uh, is not under this, at least not yet. And I would be very, very interested. I know UFC has thought and talked a bit about Boxing in the past, if they want to kind of get into that world, also some crossover uh, with, with some stars. Thinking about people like like Conor McGregor, for example, um, I, I I would be curious, and I would not be surprised if looking forward, this is a group that tries to either roll up or take a run at some sort of larger collection of of, of boxing um, in a way that has not been done at least any time modern in, in modern day, and it's one of the things I think holding. Boxing back right now is that there there is no entity like a UFC, there is no entity like a WWE to do kind of the bulk of the of the multi event promotion.
1: Are there going to be like huge body slams and suplexes now in these UFC gyms? Right, it's not just it's <laughs> gotta, not just. You got to know, you know your disciplines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to know. You keep them separately. But by the way, we we are we are missing one very big part of the story that everybody's talking about. Hmm, Vince. Mm. Vince's mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically Vince's <laughs> facial specific, hair. Like, yeah, yeah. Vince, yes, macro level Vince. <laughs> Micro level Vince's mustache. Very Vincent Price. A bo- very Vincent Price. A
0: bold choice to go with the go with the half mustache in the, uh, in, the in the formal CNBC announcement video of the uh, of this deal, that's for sure.
1: Do, do you know when I say very Vincent Price, do you understand no. the Vincent you I oh, do. really? No. You don't know who Vincent Price was? I feel
0: like we do this every episode, No, but like <laughs> Vincent
1: Price is kind of an iconic character, like an actor. You, you need to know who Vincent Price is. Well, yeah,
0: educate me. Even just by and everybody Brady who's listening standard, who also you need to know, know Vincent Price.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Let, uh, uh, that'll be like the final two points on that one. Now we'll go from final two to final four. Ooh. Uh, thank you. You like that one? Like we're recording on the afternoon of the men's final, so anyway, how often do we say this? Who cares about the men? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's like that's such a back burner se- part B story. The women dominated coverage. Yeah, Caitlin Clark, uh, Angel Reese. Uh, y- you have the-, the women taking center stage from a TV standpoint, from a from a print standpoint. Everybody talking about that matchup packed the house, ticket prices through the roof. Yes, I understand the men played in a big stadium and the women played in a 20,000 seat facility. Something tells me, had you bumped more seats available for the women, they would have sold those out to at a higher price point. I get it. Keep it in context. But coming out of that game to have people... And this is like, reserved for the men game. like Yes, it was about the basketball, but you have storylines about the coach being on the court, the referee being, uh, refereeing being terrible. Uh, Angel Reese taunting Caitlin Clark. This is awesome. Now, you know, this is awesome stuff that can catapult women's sports it to, to an equal playing field
0: there's been so much conversation we've had guests on this show you and I have also talked about it about the, the the theory from so many smart people that women's sports is sure right now is a much smaller commercial entity than men's sports but if you were to invest the the money to to put them equally that a lot of the of, of the consumer patterns would follow and and to me the last three weeks or, or if you want to cut it even shorter the last five days in, in women's college basketball is the perfect encapsulation of that idea there has been a lot of pressure on the NCAA to do better in terms of promoting women's March Madness alongside men's March Madness don't forget that just 2 years ago the women couldn't even use March Madness at all in, in their marketing there's been pressure on ESPN obviously to do more with this platform which we can touch on uh, but it is very clear that there is a massive audience i think that and i don't think i've seen the the final the number the LSU the LSU Iowa number but the Iowa South Carolina game on a Friday night on ESPN, I think out, outdrew almost any NBA game, regular season and five game, and a, five and a half million that's been on ESPN it, yeah. this season. It is clear that at the highest level, when, when, when the stakes are highest, there is a massive appetite right now from consumers to watch women's college basketball. And, and it, We touched on this last episode. It's going to put the NCAA in an interesting position. When, when it goes to renegotiate its championship deals, again, that's the, the, the contract the, the right now. The women's
1: game has to stand on its own at the this point there's no argument to be made the other way. that's
0: the question because I think you can make an argument Scott that go for it you can be wrong again again so so this is the contract that houses every NCAA championship that is not the men's basketball tournament that's a separate CBS and Turner deal but but for the past decade plus the NCAA has sold everything else in in a single package to ESPN and that's the the final four for the women that's the frozen four that's the the college world series softball championships volleyball all of those all in one Uh, and and it's severely undervalued. The ESPN is paying I can't remember if it's 30 or 50, but it's a it's a, it's a tens of millions a year for that property. I think most people media consultants certainly say that that the just the women's game alone is worth significantly more than that. The women's tournament, let alone everything else in that package. Um and and yeah, there's a lot of pressure as you're saying Scott to sell the women's tournament independently. So we sell the men's tournament independently, we'll sell the women's tournament independently, and then we'll see what we can get for everything else in that as a bundle. As a bundle. And and there are, and, and, and Emily, Karen, our colleague, did a good story about this, but there are media consultants out there, some of whom who bid on this business to try to get the NCAA's work, uh, who said, look, if, if you take women's basketball out of this package, the rest of this package is, is worth almost nothing. And and in a lot of ways, it may be worth more together than it is as 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 the sum of its parts. Um, so we'll see. The NCAA certainly seems like they're going to separate it. I'm not convinced that's a bad idea. I'm not convinced it's a good idea. We're going to see. But th- there is certainly going back to this weekend. The the, the Caitlin Clark show. The drama with LSU. Uh, all of this came together uh, to, to produce a, 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 a lightning in a bottle in a way in a way that I don't think we've ever seen for women's college basketball.
1: Yeah, and let's remember, by the way, the women were just only recently allowed to use March Madness. Yep. Like, that was specifically reserved for the men, which seems insane to me. Um, I, I just, I don't see how you don't make the argument that these games are more closely aligned. Remember, one of the recommendations from the panel, I believe was chaired by Val Ackerman, or was a member of the panel, making recommendations to buoy the women's game was to move the women and men Final Four, same weekend, same venue. Yeah, Like, make, and of course the NCAA said, nope, we don't think we're going to do that Could you imagine the hype? What do you think if you had the 70,000-seat NRG, what is it, arena? Is that Okay. So you had 70,000 tickets available for the women's game, and I'm not saying whether it's before the men's game, but make a weekend basketball festival out of the Final Fours, both Final Fours. I'm saying they packed the house. Yeah.
0: So... I think you're right. And, and a couple of weeks ago we had Karen Nortman and Jasmine Robinson on, on the show. And we were joking, Scott, that you couldn't name a single men's college basketball player this year, but you know who Caitlin Clark is and you know who the Cavender twins are. Um, I think that's true for so many people right now. It, sitting here before San Diego State plays UConn, I think there is a lot, a lot of Americans right now that could not name you a single player on either of those two men's teams, but know who nope. Caitlin Clark is. Uh, and, and maybe even after, after Saturday, after Sunday, know who Angel Reese is as well. Um, yeah, that we're, we're at this time and, and, and it could be NIL. It could be a, a number of different reasons, but the, the women, and this is true of social media. Following as well. The, the the women playing in the NCA tournament this year are so much more popular, so much more followed, and have so much more name recognition than almost all of the men playing in the same tournament.
1: And what does that do for their NIL prospects? I mean it's good. I, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. You should be an agent. Yeah. Well, you you're, done, now, done, you're done. now certified. Yeah. More. Yeah. I want more. But that's what Angel Reese said afterwards, like my price went up, right? I'm mean, a real opportunity that that these women have because they have become household names, and I'm really curious to see what sort of corporate entities, not just these collectives and not the local, I'm curious to see and, and you, you know, you informed me that Angel Reach's nickname is Bayou Barbie. Bayou Barbie, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, I believe I know, she. I believe she moved to trade market, which could be seen as a violation. Is it Mattel that has the Barbie doll? Is yeah, that yeah, would that be allowed? So they can move to quats that. I wonder if <laughs> they ever have. Probably not. But now do they say, you know what? Let's take advantage of this. Do Do we make a Bayou Barbie doll? And and really lean into it. I I don't know. What do we do for Caitlin Clark? Which which companies? Procter and Gamble. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Who takes Who takes advantage of her notoriety? Uh, that that that's that's the possibilities coming out of this massive attention given during this past week.
0: And I believe Caitlin Clark is going back to school, right? I don't think she's eligible she's a junior. for the draft. Yeah, I don't think she's yeah, eligible she's a junior. for the draft. So the 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 bonanza around Caitlin Clark in her senior season, again, I think is going to, to, to be another step up in terms of kind of commercialization and, and amount of people following the women's sport next year. I would expect to see Iowa on ESPN a lot uh, next yeah. year, the and Iowa women's sneakers, basketball team.
1: What sneakers will Caitlin Clark be wearing and will she have her own line and which, uh, how much is she going to get paid to support them?
0: It's a great question. She's with she's with Nike or with Jordan right now. Um, it, it's it's rare, obviously, for a college, a female college basketball player to have a, a shoe deal like that, but. We're in rarefied air already with her. So I think the sky's the limit for for a lot of these women. Again, the 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 mixture of NIL, the mixture of more eyeballs on women's sports right now, the mixture of the investment at the professional level, which I do think matters as well, even for 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 women's college basketball. I think all those things come together to be a, a perfect storm to a degree.
1: Yeah. So we've been talking about sort of the NHL draft and who's going to get Connor Bedard sort of yeah. this changing, you know, whatever. I think next year, WNBA, you got to think the same of Caitlin Clark, right?
0: It, it, has, it has Sabrina Ionescu vibes multiplied, right? It, it, yeah, absolutely. That felt like it was a huge deal. Who was going to win those sweepstakes? And this they got feels the big like three with the even, Liberty. They want to add Caitlin bigger. Clark somehow. Yeah, Agreed. Ta- tank the season to get
1: Caitlin Clark, add her to the big three. Agreed. Um, so, you know me, I love me a good labor fight. You do. (laughs) I love me. I love 10 months of acrimony, 10 months of owners pointing fingers at players and players saying we're not being treated fairly. I love me some of that because it really gets to delve into the business of these leagues. Um, So I'll say, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for uh, Adam Silver and Tamika Tremeglio and uh, basketball fans, looks like the NBA and the NBPA have resolved all their differences. They have sort of an agreement in principle on a new labor contract. Again, it comes at a very important time for the NBA, which will soon be negotiating new media contracts. We saw it in the NFL. These networks want to see certainty that games will be played. That drives up the price. Everybody must have seen that. But a lot of interesting ripples, uh, little little intricacies as part of this deal. No marijuana ban anymore on the players. And to me, the most interesting one, and we only know like a small nugget of it, and we heard Michelle Roberts during, I, I believe she first said it on a Sportico event years ago, where the players wanted equity. They keep seeing the valuations of these teams mushroom, and the owners would say, "Well, we take all the risk. You know, why should you share in the the appreciation of my asset? I take all the risk." Okay, fine, but it seems as if Adam and Tamika have figured out some sort of vehicle that would allow players uh, as a group to invest in NBA and WNBA teams.
0: It's interesting to me that that comes as, again, comes as as. Michael Jordan is, seems like he is in the final stages of selling out of his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets. The, 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 The first, the only former NBA star to be the controlling owner of a team, someone who a lot of these players who have been the most vociferous in exactly what you're talking about, Scott, people like LeBron James or people like Kevin Durant have looked up to as... That's the goal. Someone who has turned his incredible basketball talent into a lot of success off the field, made a lot of money, and eventually allowed him to buy into the NBA on, on the ownership side. Uh, so, so those two things happening simultaneously, is it, it, irony might might not be the right word, but it's interesting they're happening together. Going back to your first point, it, it, it's not a coincidence that all of these leagues structure their media deals so that they end right after the CBA negotiation is set up. It, it makes... Everyone from sponsors to media partners that much more comfortable, that much more bullish on your property if they know that two years into this deal, there's not going to be a lockout or a strike that ends up with half the season being canceled. So you're right. We saw it with the NFL. They get a 10-year labor deal done. Right afterwards, they sign $120 billion worth of, of, of new media deals, and the NBA will be the same. They'll get this seven-year deal done uh, right now, and then in the coming 18 months, they're going to have a new, uh, much bigger nationwide media deal uh, for themselves as well. And I would assume that that deal is, is, is they might be seven-year deals. They, they, they might, again, intentionally set it up so that the next time they have a structured labor piece, they can then turn around and go back to your ESPNs, your NBCs, uh, your turners and say, okay, here's what we're looking at in, in the near-term future. What do you want to pay us for our rights?
1: Did you name a streamer when you said, and they go to? Did you name a streamer? I
0: didn't, but yes. So go Amazon, to Apple, Apple, go to Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, yeah.
1: my man. You got, you got to go show a sign of the times. We're talking, I mean, I think Endeavor should buy WWE. Great streaming content here. We should figure this out. Fair. Right, can, can I kvetch about one part of that? Do you know kvetch? Okay, I, I don't know if you know kvetch. All right, I, I need to complain about one thing, and I've said this many, many times, because I hate artificial drama. I hate mostly drama of all kinds, but mm. artificial drama really drives me nuts. Amen. Why does the CBA expire at midnight at a certain time? Preach. I mean, and I know this is just me saying, we are not currently equipped at Sportico to be handling 3 a.m. breaking news. Like, you know, I don't sleep as it is. I call you at all sorts of bonkers hours on things. Not bankers hours, bonkers hours <laughs> about things that are happening. And, you know, you and I, we're used to this. So it's fine. It happens. But really, like 3 a.m., 3.05 press release. Hey, we got an agreement in principle. I, and I, I waited as long as I could. So I finally went to sleep and I wake up and there's the press release. I'm like, oh, jump on, you know, log on. Here we go. Let's do some work. Um, I just, Adam, Tamika, all other leaders of sports leagues, Can we please have these deals expire at noon? And this was an artificial three p.m. (laughs) This this was an artificial deadline, (laughs) by the way. This was set, you know. All right, we're going to continue talking. Can we? And I understand deadlines are uh, meant—they are meant to create a sense of urgency so that something will happen. I got it, but that does not change, does it? Well, let me ask you: Does it change if it's midnight and you're tired and you want to get something done, or if it's noon and you? And you're just ordering lunch.
0: No, huh? it does not. It does. It cannot. It, do, it does not change. Midnight on a Friday night, also Scott, probably yeah. the, the worst time in in the grand scheme of things. Just yeah, give me, people give me through me the when, ringer for no Wednesday day at three p.m. in the future would be uh, would be fantastic for these. Thank you.
1: All right, so uh, I'm going to let you close only because you have no idea who Vincent Price is, and I'm very very annoyed by that. Um, there are several. Uh, loyal, loyal listeners to the show who who email us after we're done and they listen and they they pick a side. Uh, I'm curious to see some of those folks when they email in. Shame on you, Eben, for not knowing Vincent Price. I mean, he was on the Brady Bunch for God's sakes. Mm, I
0: mean, no, so like, I've been wondering they, the whole time who he was. Well, <laughs>
1: they're eating beans out of the out of the flashlight in the Grand Canyon. I mean, you, you really need to know who Vincent. The, the and that's Brady Bunch one. I've
0: heard of. The Brady Bunch I've heard of.
1: Oh well, oh, oh, there you go. Very good. All right, close <laughs> it out and don't screw it up. So
0: I'm the big dumb idiot, Eben Novi Williams. You can find me <laughs> preach, on Twitter preach. at Novi underscore Williams. The smart man over there, that's Scott Soschnick You can find him. On Twitter at Soshnik. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. Shout out to Matt and big thanks. Cora Veltman, Sportico's digital media editor, would like you to know that you can download the Sporticast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the hub of the Sportico Media Network.